Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 36 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian, here as always with Michaela. Michaela, how is it going? What have you been up to the uh, beginning of August here? Uh, We're in the dog days of summer, they say, so what have you been up to? It is the dog days of summer. It's hot AF here, man. It's real hot. Um, (laughs) School is about to start. Uh, There's a whole frenzy in the world, in America at least, about schools and what's going to happen, especially this year, because last year was really crazy with the pandemic, and it looks like it's not getting much better this year. So, um, you know, everybody's trying to get, uh, there's a lot of activity in my house, trying to get stuff ready for school, trying to make sure we have all this, all the stuff that we need, that we're excited and that we're not terrified and, you know, also trying to get some good cocktails in because, you know, summer, summer here, it, it really does end in the middle of September, which is beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not like when I lived in Texas and it ended in like November. So I'm excited for the weather change because it is real, real hot, but that just means we can, we can try some good drinks. What have, what have you been up to? You've had a lot of family in and stuff. Yeah, so I uh, I had to juggle uh, two sets of guests this past week. So my parents are in visiting, and then the brother-in-law and his family came in uh, this week this past weekend and had to host them as well. So I haven't had much time for any fancy cocktails or fancy movies to be watching. Uh, you know, just kind of playing host. You know, grilling some food, going for Ooh. swims. You know, that kind of typical summer stuff that you do when family's around. Um, but yeah, I've been uh, watching a little bit of the Olympics, kind of checking that out. It's it's very weird to me to watch them because they're in Tokyo. Uh, so by the time you're watching the Olympics, like at night, like they're already doing the next day's Olympics already. So uh, that's right. kind of that's kind of odd. So that takes me out of it a little bit. But I really like the Olympics. Just the I like getting to see the people that work really hard in a discipline that doesn't get a lot of attention otherwise. Yeah. So I like I like seeing that kind of stuff. So that's always pretty interesting to me. Uh, what about you? Did you get to watch anything good? Have you gotten into season two of Ted Lasso yet? Because I have not. No spoilers, please. Oh, yes, we absolutely have. And it's amazing. So um, what else have we done? Oh, I watched one of the first made for streaming um, videos, movies, uh, like the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. Watched oh, okay. that. Um, yeah, it was not amazing. It wasn't my favorite. I was so excited because I kind of love Chris Pratt. Um, I really loved him in all of the Guardians of the Galaxies and he was great in Parks and Rec. And so um, mm-hmm. I really wanted to love it. I just didn't love it. But it's very interesting storyline, um, at least for the first three quarters of it. So I think it's worth people's time. Um, but Yeah. Yeah. So other than just having my, uh, you know, a family in, uh, having our get togethers and catching back up from, you know, not seeing a lot of these people last year, I've been doing pretty good, but I do have, uh, one issue, Michaela, I, I, I hate to inform the drink the movies audience out there, but my girlfriend dumped me, uh, <sighs> she dumped me for the hot shot ski captain. And, you know, now I'm not sure that life's worth living. Oh, do you may think you may be better off dead? Ugh, I might be. That's, oh, that's, no. Yeah. 
Oh, well, let's get a cocktail and and we're buck up, little camper. We're going <laughs> to figure it out together. We're going to ski that K-12 better than that Stalin hunk of a skier could ever do. And we'll see if we can get that love life sorted right out. All right. Well, I have faith in us as long as we get a get a cocktail in. I don't know about my skiing abilities, but we'll try that too and see if we can save the day and save my love life. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back to talk about this week's cocktail, The Better Off Dead. This week's cocktail takes its name from today's film, The Better Off Dead. Yeah, absolutely it does. And it comes from a St. Louis bar. Uh, it's called The Crow's Nest. And this cocktail was featured in an article we found on the Riverfront Times. Um, I also found this in another article. Um, I couldn't find it again, so I can't uh, remember exactly what the name of it was, but it was like best cocktails in St. Louis, and this one was on there, uh, which is yeah, kind of which is kind of surprising uh, having had it, but I don't, I don't know. Let's, uh, why don't we run through the ingredients here, because this drink is pretty potent, and you're going to need some, need some new things, so. Yeah, you're going to need some new things. So it was very important that we have all French ingredients. Uh, I think mm, that's mm -hmm. very important because we have a lot of French ingredients in the movie, uh, which is named after this called Better Off Dead. Uh, so gather around, boys and girls, because we're going to do French liqueur, which is half an ounce of St. Germain, half an ounce of Grand Meunier, half an ounce of Chartreuse, now, one thing about chartreuse that I did not know is that you could get it in green or yellow. Mm -hmm. I got mine in green. I don't know what you did, Brian. Yeah, I went with the green as well. Um, I think so. Uh, the difference between the green and the yellow is the yellow is a little bit more mild and it's lower alcohol. Chartreuse punches, packs a punch. So it's 55% uh, uh, alcohol Ooh. in that thing. Um, I think the yellow is like 40%. Uh, mm. But you see that you see that uh, pop up more around like the holiday time. It's in a lot of like Christmas, like uh, punches and cocktails and things. So the green is what you see primarily uh, the rest of the year in cocktails. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure in the picture, it kind of looked like it had just a slight kind of green hue to the drink. So uh, went with green. And I think that's the way you should go with it too. I agree. That's exactly how I did it. The green might have uh, lent itself to the fact that we also, uh, after combining these three ingredients in a glass with some ice, then you do what they called a quick pour. Not really mm -hmm. sure. It's a very scientific method, the quick pour. I think it's just yeah. quick. You quickly pour something. <laughs> uh, but you use absinthe, okay, which is mm -hmm. amazing, but also green. And then uh, champagne, which... If you know champagne, that came, if it's real champagne, it comes from France and then uh, lemon juice. Now it's a quick pour of all of those things. So I'm not, I was not real sure as how we were supposed to be doing that. Yeah. So I, I Googled how much a quick pour was and couldn't really find anything. Now, if you go into like a cocktail bar or just a bar, if they have like those tops on top of the bottles, those are like quick pour tops so they automatically like fill up an ounce and that's just to help the bartender make drinks more quickly and to not over uh, pour I guess the mm -hmm. ingredients so I in theory I guess maybe you could do an ounce but when I made mine I did three quarters of an ounce of the absinthe and the lemon juice and then I just kind of topped the rest of my little like rocks glass off with champagne it was probably about two ounces of champagne in total there uh you you just did a uh, a quick pour so you just kind of eyeballed that thing and let it rip 
Yeah, I did. And I was a little worried about the absinthe because I, I'm sure if anybody's listened to this before, I'm not a licorice person. Mm -hmm. And so I was really concerned that I was going to just over absinthe size this whole thing. Um, so I, I made this drink a couple of times and I okay. think that, um, the first time I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so I put in way too much lemon juice, but the second time, I think you were right. It was equal parts of absinthe and lemon, and then just kind of doing mm -hmm. a pour over as if it was a pour over of rum in a margarita or something, but it's a right. pour over of champagne, kind of a float. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. yeah. Yeah. So what did you think about this one? Um, so I thought that it was, it was pretty good. I wasn't like in love with it, but I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Um, it's definitely, and they talk about it in the article that it's a, a slow sipper because this thing is super boozy. It's super, um, it's super like herbally. The chartreuse is very herbally tasting. And then the absinthe is very much black licorice, but it does kind of combine itself together. And as it kind of mellows as the ice melts, um, it, you know, it comes together pretty good and ends up being, you know, a pretty good cocktail. I don't know that this is something that I would just whip up to have, um, especially needing the champagne, having to yeah. open, open that up. But I was excited to get something with chartreuse because um, it's something that I knew of and uh, was interested in, but I've never really messed around with it too much. So maybe next week on the lobby bar, we'll have to come up with a good chartreuse cocktail for everyone. But what did you think about it? The, uh, the chartreuse, the absinthe, uh, you know, this whole kind of thing, what were your takeaways from it? Yeah, I, I am. I agree. I, this is not going to be my Tuesday night drink of choice. Um, mm -hmm. I know we talked about it in the lobby bar. I I'm a kind of a two or three ingredient cocktail kind of girl for regular days. And this has a lot of stuff in it. So, uh, and because of the champagne needing to be open and you want it to actually be bubbly. So it tastes, it brings some effervescence into it. Mm -hmm. It's probably not my favorite drink. Um, I think the more you drink it though, the more I liked it or at least yep. the more I drank it, the more I liked it. The absinthe, I mean, I'm not a huge licorice person, but it does blend pretty well. Um, so, and I love St. Germain. So I was real, I was on board <laughs> with this whole thing simply because of the St. Germain. I, I couldn't really taste it in the cocktail mm -hmm. at all, but yeah, yep. this is real boozy. So if this is something that you like, I would take small sips because halfway through it, you don't care what it tastes like. You're like, this is pretty good. <laughs> this is fine. And yep. uh you know, two, two, if you have more than one, you will be better off dead the next day, apparently, because we're doing a lot of things they tell you not to do. We're mixing grains and grapes. We're, we're mixing a bunch of stuff um, and it's all alcohol. I mean, the only thing in here is the spring, you know, uh, you're supposed to pour a little bit of lemon juice in, but the, the, mm -hmm. the only thing, that's the only thing that's not alcoholic in this thing other than some cubes of ice. So good luck. Good luck, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let us know out there if you try this. Um, you know, it might be worth looking into these ingredients. And if uh, you happen to be a listener that is from the St. Louis area or have passed through the St. Louis area and have been to the Crow's Nest and tried this uh, from them, let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you think it's one of the best drinks in St. Louis. But now we have these made. And I think it's time that we dive into this film. I think you were right. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back to talk about this week's movie, Better Off Dead. Spoiler warning for Better Off Dead. If you've not seen Better Off Dead, you're out of luck because there's nowhere to see this film for free. So you're going to have to go on Amazon and buy this sucker for 10 bucks. Just buy it blindly. Have some faith. It's worth your time. Okay, 
but uh, we're not going to be able to uh, chat about it until you do that and grab a better off dead drink with a lot of French ingredients and then come Mm -hmm. back and then we can chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. So after Amazon drops that off, go ahead and give it a watch. And this movie, it comes to us all the way from 1985. It was directed by a gentleman with the best name of all time, uh, Savage, of all Steve time. Hall- Savage Steve Holland. And it stars a very young John Cusack. It sure does. In fact, this was John Cusack's first breakout film. So he had been in... So he he had been in uh, 16 Candles um, That's right. in 1984. That's right. um, he was in, in the sure thing, but this was kind of his first, like, uh, I guess, leading, leading kind, of role. A, kind of a thing. And he was, yeah. he was pretty young. I mean, you look at, you look at all these characters in there and they're supposed to be high schoolers and they look way older than that. But John Cusack was only like 19 at the time that this came out. So uh, he would have been just out of high school. You know, it wasn't like he was like 27 or anything like that. So exactly. Yeah, I know. Uh, they, the director, Savage Steve Holland, um, actually really kind of had a very interesting relationship with John Cusack. He really, really wanted him for this role. And he had to fight uh, in order to get him as a lead character because everybody thought that while he was really funny in 16 Candles, they didn't buy him as a lead character, as a person that could lead, um, which is interesting because he kind of became the king of the mid to late 80 movies, right? He was in Say Mm -hmm. Anything. Um, He's done a lot of different stuff. He was, I mean, his career has spanned, he did High Fidelity, Gross Point Blank. Um, Mm -hmm. He's been uh, a really solid actor and it all started with this little gem of a film that hopefully you have seen before. If not really, stop, press pause, (laughs) go watch it and then come back. Go watch it. Yeah. So I was looking through uh, Savage Steve Holland. Uh, he had done, he's done quite a bit of directing. It's been a lot of like TV stuff and uh, TV movies, but he's also an animator. Um, and his most kind of famous animations are the little whammy guys on that game show from the 80s, Press Your Luck, the little, uh, the little whammy monsters. Uh, so that's pretty amazing. Oh. And that makes sense because when we get this movie started off, you get a really <laughs> kind of interesting uh, animated intro. There's like a monster there and it kind of looks like one of those press your luck little whammy guys grabs this girl and it's running off like into like kind of through like the credits and you get this huge savage Steve Holland uh, thing. Uh, they're kind of going across the back and uh, then the title of the movie, Better Off Dead. And so right. we get started with this uh, animation thing, you know, kind of pays homage to savage steve holland's kind of background as an animator and that that gets us kicked off michaela yeah it's a it's the animation is really interesting because it's got that kind of woman who needs to be rescued from this green whammy looking thing right and the the guys there's a knight in a on what's a very weird looking horse kind of running after her trying to trying to save her um yeah, but uh, it, it is not a cartoon. It is, in fact, a live action film. And so mm-hmm. directly after that, it kind of pans to a teenager's room. And uh, there's a lot of that's, uh, there's a lot of pictures on the wall, a lot of pictures of a very similar looking girl. In fact, you realize about 15 seconds in that it's all the same girl. And yep. in different poses, there's, I don't know, 300 pictures on this wall. So either he's really in love or very obsessed. We, we you know, this is before stalking became like a thing that was a federal offense. So um, right now, I guess it's just cute. But this is where we, uh, we meet Lane Meyer. That's right. Yeah, Lane Meyer laying there in bed. That is a 
John Cusack's character. Yeah, so like 10,000 of these pictures of this girl on the wall. Um, <laughs> a lot of a lot of duplicates, uh, but it's it's pretty funny. You get uh, the hint right off the bat here. This movie is going to, uh, you know, be a little zany. Uh, he has all these pictures, and then uh, Lane kind of rolls over and pulls out another framed picture of this girl from under the pillow. Uh, he like gives it a gives yeah, it a kiss. Because all around the room wasn't enough. He needed yeah. one like next to her, laying under his pillow. Yeah. He so he gets out of bed. Right. All these pictures on the wall. Goes into like this big walk walk in closet. Has all his clothes hanging in there they're on like cardboard cutouts of this girl uh it's it's absolutely insane not a healthy way to have a relationship and then you know in case you're you know concerned if this movie was going to be weird uh lane uh it's time to take a shower he puts the picture of beth down on the sink and gets in uh in his socks just wearing his socks into the uh shower so this movie yeah, is yeah is uh, it's kind of weird. You're like, you're like, what's happening? Um, and then actually, you'll see uh, just a little bit later. He's getting out, getting ready. He's like blow drying his hair, and then he puts his foot, the sock up on the uh, up onto the sink there, and is like blow drying the socks. It's just, it's absolutely insane, and that sets the tone because this movie is very insane. It's very insane. He's not even wearing the same socks. Like one of them has like red stripes on it at the top, and one of them doesn't. I mean, it's really weird and. He's just got a very, he's a weird character, right? You, you find out more about this. His, his whole family dynamic is very messed up. The town that he's in, it's Glendale. It's in Northern California. So it's sunny and it's also snowy all the time. It's a very strange place. <laughs> but right. we, uh, uh, we kind of juxtapose this with his parents. His parents are asleep because it's 8 a.m. on a Sunday. And mm-hmm. his dad kind of wakes up he jolts awake because the paper boy is coming and apparently the paper boy has uh it in for him and keeps throwing papers and they keep hitting his garage windows and breaking all of them so of course you know the dad runs out to the front lawn and like his his wife's bunny slippers and like a little dressing gown and he's using this old you know uh garage door opener thing where you actually had to plug a key in and press a button. I don't know what the Mm -hmm. purpose is of a garage door opener that's automatic that you have to actually touch, but whatever. So he's doing that. And then he ends up just missing uh, the, uh, the paper boy just misses throwing the paper. And so he's all excited. He's like, I beat you. You know, he's got one window left and it's, it's safe. And so he of course goes in and presses the button and then everything comes crashing down and all the, all the windows are crashed and broken. All the windows break, but yeah, but yeah. So Lane is crazy, uh, showered in his socks. His parents are crazy. So his parents are Al and Jenny Meyer. Um, Now Al Myers played by David Ogden's, steers and jenny is his mom is played by kim darby and they're absolutely amazing they're fantastic they're so like oddball and weird but kind of endearing at the same time uh it's really odd so his dad's like fighting with the paper boy uh his mom's downstairs cooking breakfast so she's making bacon uh she pulls out like a like a big scoop of it and it's like blue and like what's what's happening and uh apparently uh you know, dad said that he didn't like the fried bacon anymore. So she thought it would be a good idea to boil bacon. And she must have boiled it in that chartreuse liquor that we just had because it's like green. It looks like death on a plate. It's awful. 
Yeah, I have I have not tried boiling bacon as uh, no one should because that sounds terrible. But I don't know that it would naturally turn that color. So yeah, so something else was afoot there. But yeah, so that's his parents. Uh, they're crazy, and then you get his brother, and his brother is also awesome. Um, his brother is played by Scooter Stevens. Uh, his name is Badger uh, in the movie. Um, he doesn't he doesn't say a single word in the film. He just kind of sits there and is very focused on what he's doing, and he does a lot of really crazy stuff. But he's sitting there having breakfast. He's uh, cutting all of the UPCs out of the back of the cereal boxes. So it's going to kind of be a running gag that every time they pick up a box uh, in this kitchen at the Meyer residence, that just everything in the box is going to spill out of it where he's cutting these UPCs out. But that kind of introduces you to the uh, the family and you know what they have going on. They're all kind of crazy and insane and uh, hilarious. But like I said, still kind of endearing and, and fun. Like they're not, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the brother is very, he's a master. Okay, this, this kid, um, we find out he's like almost eight years old. So he's only like seven, but he is a genius at silent comedy. It's perfect because he doesn't say a word this whole film. But yeah, they, they're talking over breakfast and the dad and the mom are talking about how Lane seems kind of obsessed with his with his girlfriend, Beth. They've been together for a while and and she is um, going to go be picked up by Lane uh, on their way to some ski tryouts because the high school ski team is doing tryouts at this point in time. And, you know, it's a. Uh, yeah, the, the, the mom is just something else. She's one of my favorite characters. Um because she is just, she's always doing something horribly weird in the kitchen. Yeah. She's trying to take care of business for sure. So uh, we get, we get kind of, we get kind of a look uh, across the street, right? So Lane's getting ready to go out to this ski tryout with his girlfriend, Beth, who is the person in all of those pictures upstairs in his room. But there's another girl um, in town. She's new to town. Uh, her name is Monique, and she is, you know, kind of looking out the window across the street at Lane, you know, as he's getting into the car and going in. And we find out that she's there living with the, the neighbor family across the street because she is a foreign exchange student all the way from Paris, France. Um, and she is going to be forced into her uh, own love interest, Michaela. And it's, right. it's not it's not a great situation for her. Oh, my I gosh, think. it's. It's so awesome. No, it's not a great situation. Uh, parents, if if your kid is so desperate for a person that you need to hire someone or basically kidnap someone from another country, something is very wrong. Okay. So there's this great scene. There's woman. She's trying to, to talk to Monique. Monique doesn't, doesn't look like she speaks any English, but she introduces her son to her, her, this woman to her son, Ricky. And Ricky, mm -hmm. this is Monique. <laughs> and it's so yep. great. It's comedic gold. Um, because Ricky, you know, he's he doesn't dress super well. He kind of has like this plaid on plaid, unfortunate situation going on. Um, he snorts a lot of nasal spray. It's just not attractive. He's kind of a kind of a chubby, chubby kind of dude, which, you know, hey, we're all chubby. But uh, yeah, she she's not having any of that. She is not up for uh up for that. She, that's not her thing. So, um, you know, in the meantime, Beth and Lane end up going to the, uh, uh, ski resort, I guess. I don't know how it, apparently it's kind of a long way from their town, but this, the, mm -hmm. uh, but 
before Beth uh, is picked up by Lane, you can see a scene where she's talking to probably one of her girlfriends and she's got one picture frame with, with Lane's picture and only mm. one. Okay. And she's talking about how, oh yeah, if this guy asked her out, she, of course she's going to go out with this other guy. And, you know, she's going to tell Lane a little bit later. Um, but you know, he's really hot. He's totally, and he, and he skis the K-12. And so this new guy is so great. And so she's like, like literally swiping left already. This was back when oh, yeah. you couldn't do that. So she's taking out a picture of her boyfriend and putting another picture in of the new guy. And it's like black and white and a little pink frame. It's very 1984. Yeah, it's it's really hilarious, right? She's just swapping this picture out. Uh, it's super funny. She's just like playing in the head. She's <laughs> like, I gotta I gotta break up with, with Lane. Gonna go out with this uh, new guy. And but I'm gonna wait guy... till after the ski tryouts because he well, got yeah, so she upset needs... and he threw up all over someone last time. So, you know. Yeah, she needs to she needs to ride, I guess, to go in and meet the guy. So right, right. the guy is the captain of the ski team. Uh, my high school did not have a ski team. Uh, did your high school have a ski team? Uh, I, I grew up in Texas, so we did not. Um, okay. We did okay. Not have the, no. Okay. So I don't. So I don't know how ski teams work, but apparently, um, at this school, uh, if you're the captain of the ski team, you get to make all of the decisions about the ski team. You get to do all of the recruiting and all of the tryouts and things. Uh, so we meet this kid. His name is Roy Stalin, and he is an absolute boss. Uh, he's given it to Lane. Uh, left, right, and center. It's calling him Oscar Meyer, which is hilarious, of course. Uh, he's like this typical kind of uh, 80s movie uh, kind of bully. Yeah. Sort of high, school, high school guy, right? He's totally like the 80s bully. He's like got blonde, like tipped hair, you know? And he's like, we all, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta be able to do this run in 58 seconds and you're going to be judged on uh, by uh, on style solely by me i mean he's just a total 80s bully um you know and of course uh beth is all over this she's watching him ski and she's like what a hunk and poor lane is like yeah he, she's talking about me and everyone is like no way um but uh it's not just lane and beth that are there it's also lane's best friend charles mm -hmm. dumar who is amazing he's played by curtis armstrong um mm -hmm. uh and he is comedic gold he's a gem in this show um so there's a lot of really great um scenes where he's you know uh where stalin is trying to sp speak and he's obviously talking to beth but of course charles demar is thinking that he's talking to him so um it's it's pretty funny but of course you know <sighs> lane's a great skier but he's like two seconds off of yeah. the tryouts yeah he makes it he makes it all the way down but you know just just kind of outside of the uh the time limit that Roy had set for him. So he's not on the, uh, not on the ski team. So you get not kind on of the a, ski team. so you get Lane kind of driving through town um, and he's doing like a voiceover uh, saying that, you know, Beth had dumped him. Uh, there's like this kind of running gag where these uh, two, I guess they're probably other like high school kids come in and they do like a Bob Costas style narration of doing these car races. And they come around a couple of times and it's always pretty funny just because Bob Costas has like this iconic uh, voice to see these uh, kids doing it. And they're on like a, like a bullhorn kind of thing on top of the right. car. Uh, oh just absolutely, absolutely crazy. And then, uh, you know, Lane keeps crashing into this uh, same kind of guy but he's down in the dumps Michaela uh if he can't be with Beth he's better off dead 
he's well, that's what he thinks anyway. And so he gets really mad. Like, of course she jumps him and she dumps him in the worst way. She's like, I think it's in my interest if I date somebody better looking or more popular and just overall better. And so he, he's, he's going through a tough time, right? So his first attempt on his life, he goes home and he, he goes into the garage and he like wraps a cord around his neck. And I love this scene actually, because he's about to like jump off the steps. Um, and then he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute here. This, this is death here. <laughs> like, this is real final. This is a real yeah. final solution to a, maybe this is not the way to go. And of course, then his mom, who is completely oblivious to anything, just opens the door and shoves him over while she's vacuuming. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, Oh gosh. And so then it, it really does reinvigorate his love for life. (laughs) Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's, that's right. And she's like, like wailing the door into him. Like it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And his, and his friend tells him as much. Right. So uh, his friend Charles is like, suicide is never the answer. Little trooper. Um, You know, he's kind of telling him, telling him to pick his self back up. And we get like this other, like funny, weird scene. Like I thought this was uh, hilarious. So his, they're having breakfast like the next day and his mom's making, or they're having dinner. His mom made something and it's like this. And she just says, you said you liked raisins. And she just pulls out this scoop. And it's like, I don't know. It's like that, like goop stuff that we used to have, like in the eighties. It's um, the and- same stuff that she boiled the bacon in because it's the same greenish, bluish nastiness, right? Only it's the same color. Only now it looks like slime from the movie Ghostbusters that you put on a plate with like bits of raisin in it. And so the dad is trying to have a real serious conversation with uh, Lane about this car that he bought because he bought this 1967 Camaro that's a total POS. It doesn't run and it's been sitting parked in his front lawn. And like a normal dad, he's like, get out and get a job, get out and fix your car, get out and get on with your life. And Mm -hmm. he's like looking at this gelatinous, disgusting blob that actually takes off his plate. It actually walks itself away. Um, <laughs> God knows what this woman put in it, but then he excuses himself. He's like, I, I can't, I'm just, yeah, I, dad, I, I have nothing to say. So he just leaves and it's awful. But of course the mom is like, it's got raisins in it. You yeah, like you raisins. Said, you like raisins. Yeah. She's, she's so oblivious and amazing. And I, I love her so, uh, so much. Uh, but yeah, so Lane gets up, he goes up and we get to see like one of his other, his brother's like next project. He's building like this like laser gun model. Um, and, and Lane's like, why are you wasting your time doing that? And his brother just silently turns around and like blasts a hole in the, like this box over sitting across the room, uh, which is pretty fantastic. So you get kind of these like re like glimpses into the family, just doing all this like wacky zany stuff, but Lane not quite over Beth. So he's going to have like a little bit of a daydream. And I guess this is probably the first time they met maybe, but he's in the park playing football. He like walks through a picnic and then he's going over and uh, talking to Beth and uh, having, you know, kind of this memory of this love lost, I guess. Yeah. According to him, it's like love at first sight. Um, Looking at it again, you're like, I don't know if it was love at first sight, but maybe it was, but you know, uh, her, 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 um, she has a little friend with her and he has his friend, you know, 
uh, Charles with him. And Charles keeps joking about how he he's super smart because he's been at the school for seven and a half years. He's been in mm-hmm. high school. So he's like able to drink beer and stuff. So there's like, they're like playing football and they've got a, he's got a beer in his hand and like smoking a cigarette. It's pretty funny. Um, but when Lane wakes up, he's got a note. Um, hey, go feed the cat. He's got a note kind of attached uh, taped to his forehead, which is a very yeah. strange place to put a note, but whatever. So he goes and um, he's so distraught still. He's talking to himself and he's like, who, who does this? Who does this to someone you love? And he feeds the cat and then he immediately pours it into a cereal and he's about to take a bite of the cat food cereal uh, when someone knocks on the door. So he is saved uh, by the bell, literally goes to answer the door. And it is this really rough looking uh kid who's the paper boy yeah yeah so i i don't know if he was he was quite saved because this paper boy uh is going to have it out for him now right so the paper boy is there to collect he's like it's a, i don't know whatever he says it's like a quarter a day for the last two months you owe me two dollars two dollars cash and lane's just like uh my parents aren't here it'll be fine he kind of shuts the door on but uh that was a bad move because these paper boys are going to uh continually chase lane down one in this two dollars Yep. For the rest of the film, which is pretty funny. Uh, it's 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 very odd, but yeah, you have kind of like this, like, a, uh, I don't know, some sort of like monstrous presence in these paper boys, right? Yeah. Like this like weird cult of yeah, these kids riding around boys. on these on these bikes. So yeah, but yeah, he doesn't give them two dollars. That's going to be uh, bad news for him down the ro- down the line. But you know, you still have to go to school. You know, you you didn't end up offing yourself, so you gotta gotta go back to school. Uh, they're in math class. Uh, the math teacher is amazing. Uh, Mr. Kerber, he's played by Vincent Schiavelli. Um, and uh, so he's talking about like all of these like theories and like geometry and stuff. And everyone in, in the class is like completely enthralled with them. They're like giving him applause when he's doing that. He assigns them like a hundred pages to read for the next day. And like everyone like starts to like cheer and stuff. Like it's very zany and obviously meant to, you know, kind of be this gag right um and you know charles is sitting there front row he has like a weird like baby pig in a jar of formaldehyde uh it's so (laughs) it's so random and odd uh but you know lane gets called to the front of the room to solve this equation everyone they do like this thing where everyone's pulling out their homework and they're pulling out oh my god like telex machines and like the the ibm from hidden figures and can i just say when I saw this film, I was totally terrified because I thought that that is exactly how high school really was, that they were going to be talking about mm. ZDQR and LMNOP and, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do quintuplicate this vector. And I was like, what? And every, all the kids were like super excited and they were like, please pick me to do the homework. Please pick me. And of course, Lane has done nothing, right? Everybody else, they've got Rolodexes full of stuff. One guy has a computer in his, in his briefcase that he's got out. Another person has like 15 filing systems going on and they're all like eighties, right? Like one of them's like an eighties grunge person. Another one looks like they're a total pop star. Um, And he's just sitting there and he's like, I didn't do any of the homework. So, but of course he gets called on. And so he uh, goes to the board and starts to try and write out this equation. Nobody else seems to have any problems with this. Right. Um, And he kind of goes into this weird hypnotic state where he remembers, you know, one of the first times that he and Beth were together and they were alone and, you know, uh, 
you know, they're in the back of his car and she kept th- thinking that there were people around them. And he was like, well, we're totally alone. <laughs> but actually they weren't totally alone because there were his uh, wheels were being taken off the vehicle. And so yeah. it just kind of goes to show that he was kind of blind. You know, he, he was willfully blind about a lot of things in this relationship. But as he comes out, like he has completely drawn like a picture of a baby or a person pregnant with a baby or something. And, and everybody just kind of stares at him and he is kind of a dunce. And then of course the teacher says, I need, I need you to stay after class. So he thinks he's going to get in trouble because he didn't do his homework and he drew this kind of inappropriate picture. Uh, But instead, you know, um, the teacher just wants to know if he'd be okay, if he would be comfortable with her, with the, with the teacher taking out his ex-girlfriend, which is totally gross and nasty. Yeah. Yeah, He's like, so I've heard some things. Would it be okay if I asked out Beth? Uh, Super random. Uh, And that turns into kind of another like ongoing gag. So there's, you know, a couple of these things uh, through the movie. So yeah, finishing up kind of the, the high school, like high school day is not getting any less zany. So he's at lunch drawn like the monster that we saw kind of in the uh, opening scene there. Uh, And like the drawing that he's doing of like this monster and Beth like animates like as he's like watching it and like the little like cartoon he draws of Beth is telling him that, you know, he, he can never get over her. He can never date anyone else. And he's telling this drawing that, you know, he can go date this other popular girl, uh, which does not go good because she apparently dates the entire basketball team. She's on roller skates for some reason. Uh, it's, it's a whole thing that doesn't go very well for Lane. Uh, so, so love for Lane is, is not going, going well. So he goes to a local bridge and he, uh, he's just kind of hanging off, uh, hanging off the side on the, on the wrong side of the bridge. And uh, of course, Charles kind of rides up and he says, Lane, what are you doing? And he says, nothing. He says, yes, you are. Come on, buck up little camper. It's going (laughs) to be okay. We're going to climb that. We're going to beat that slope together. And he's like, okay. He says, what do you mean? He says, well, I've been thinking about, been thinking about your situation and, you know, you used to play saxophone. I think you should get back into that. And we need to really take on that K-12. We really do. We, we need to be able, you need to face that fear. You need to build that confidence back up and someone will love you eventually. Right. But then he, you know, as Charles DeMar kind of rides away, cause he's on his bike, he pats Lane on the back. And of course, Lane loses his balance and ends up falling off of the bridge, which would kill a normal person. But of course, right at that moment, a garbage truck kind of drives by. So he just ends up being in the garbage, which is really gross. And <laughs> yeah, probably that is pretty gross. He's, he's just kind of laying in there as it as it drives by. But, you know, another another failed attempt. He's he's not very good at winning Beth back and he's not very good at uh uh, taking his life there for sure. So uh, it kind of keeps, you know, moving through the story. It's Christmas time. He's uh, he's like on the phone with Beth. Uh, he's asking her what yeah, the the ski guy got her for Christmas. And she's like, oh, he already gave me the present. He got me this teddy bear. It's like as big as I am. And Lane's holding like this little like tiny, like two inch tall teddy bear like in his hand. And he's like, oh, that's great. And he just like throws the phone on his bed, doesn't hang it up or anything, uh, which is fantastic. But then his mom gets him something pretty nice though. It's something I would want to get. Uh, she's like, you said you really like that one. And he opens it up and it's like a Salisbury steak TV dinner. And like he hands it to his dad and his dad like stacks it on top of like, like the stack of hundred TV dinners. Uh, his mom gets his dad, you know, the fashion 
you know, once trend. that everyone's everyone's going to be, you know, adhering to this trend. It's like a it's like a coat. You see them put like this weird like woolly coat on. You're like, okay, that's kind of aardvark weird. fur. It was it's real aardvark a, fur. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird coat, but it, you know, it's it's fine. It's just a big like furry Super coat. Warm. He puts it on and then uh, he starts to pull this hood up and it's like the head of an aardvark, uh, which is which is hilarious and ridiculous looking. Um, and then he goes outside to, you know, check on the Christmas lights or whatever. Uh, and then their neighbor, uh, who's popped up a couple of times, he's also wearing one of these. So apparently it is the uh, fashion trend this right. Christmas season. Yeah, he goes out to check on the windows because he's fixed the windows. That's his Christmas present to his wife, who, by the way, is dressed like a giant reindeer. So they're out mm-hmm. there in the front lawn looking and admiring this beautiful job where he's fixed the windows. There's like a, a couple of red ribbons to, you know, commiserate, you know, commemorate Christmas. And poor Lane is in the garage with the engine running because this is another attempt. He's like, I can't believe this. Like, why can't my bear be bigger? Like, <laughs> why, why, why did she dump me? I'm so alone. And then he thankfully uh, pushes his car in reverse. So it of course crashes right through the garage. The windows are broken. Uh, but you know, his neighbor, they see the neighbor and the neighbor's also wearing that year's aardvark coat trend. Um, so mm-hmm. that's exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. poor, poor Lane. He, he really doesn't, he's not doing this well. Um, his father is concerned about him. And so his father says, Hey, look, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna start dating. We, we gotta do something about this. You've been moping around the house. And he's like, I don't have to start dating. I don't want to date anybody but Beth. And he's like, well, you are. And so he like fixes him <laughs> up with like his friends or his colleagues, uh, daughter. And apparently yeah. she has this, um, headgear that's attached to her braces. I don't really know much about it because it was the 80s. And I don't think we do that to children anymore because we realize that that is popularity in high school and bullying and stuff. But anyway, her name is Joanne Greenwood and uh, he has to go pick her up to go on this New Year's date that's gonna, because there's a dance at the school and he like is getting ready and he like covers his body in like his entire body in spray deodorant. I don't really know if that was a thing, um, yeah. but then he goes yeah. to pick her up and. Yeah, he goes to pick her up and Joanne Greenwood is amazing. She comes out and she is, she's wearing like the headgear stuff and she just opens the door and she's like, look, Lane, I don't want to go out on a date with you. So let's just do this. She's like, dinner is going to cost, you know, $20 uh, plus two desserts plus tax and a tip. Uh, it's going to be $13.67 per person. So just give me that and we can call this thing off. Uh, so Lane, you know, he asks her if she'll take a check and she's like, okay, um, uh, which is which is really, really fun. So, yeah. uh, you know, going through uh, Joanne Greenwood, uh, you know, check her off the list. She's not a good love interest, uh, but maybe there's someone at the dance. So they go to the school dance. You get the the theme song for the movie, Better Off Dead. Better it's, Off Dead. It's, it's apparently without you. It's apparently a song by Elizabeth Daly, who has a very uh, iconic '80s voice. Uh, she actually sounds a lot like Gwen Stefani. I thought on a on a weird side note. Um, and yeah, they're at this uh, at this dance, and yeah, you know, he does he does end up meeting a girl that could be a potential love interest. Uh, seems a little bit uh, smitten by this girl uh, from yes. across the street that he runs into at the dance. Absolutely. So uh, he's not the only one who's at the dance. Charles Dumar is at the dance. Um, of course, Beth shows up with Stalin, Roy Stalin, her her new boyfriend, and you know, Roy just takes cheap shots at 
both Charles and Lane. And here's the thing. When I was a younger kid uh, watching this, I thought that this was amazing because Charles, he, well, Roy Stalin makes a joke and Charles laughs at it and he laughs the entire night. So every time he sees the, them try uh, Beth and Stalin trying to like hug or hang out together, he like gets in between them and laughs and it makes, it, it makes Roy Stalin's night really uncomfortable. Right. I used to think that it was because he was such a good friend. Now I think that it was because he was so high because in every scene, he's talking about how he can't get real drugs. He's looking for real drugs. You know, there's a scene where he's like snorting uh, jello in the, in the cafeteria or snow Mm -hmm. on the mountain. And he gets real excited. He's like the street value of the snow is amazing. (laughs) So maybe he was just really high, but they're not the only ones at the dance because Ricky has brought his dragged, literally dragged his French uh, uh, friend along who doesn't want to be his friend. And Ricky decides that he's going to own the dance. He's going to be the dance God. So he's like trying to throw her around the dance floor. She's not having any of it. And then he like, everybody kind of makes room for him and he's, you know, he's, he can move this guy, you know, he looks real interesting he's just like he's ricky the dance god um but in the meantime monique uh ends up totally like wailing on poor lane and lane like face plants on the ground and she's speaking french and she's like i'm so sorry i'm so sorry but she's speaking french he has no idea what she's saying and he's Mm -hmm. he's really funny but she keeps uh trying to shake his hand over and over again and then of course poor ricky you know he had a (laughs) He had, he, he's lost her. He can't find her, but he's got a really cute balloon that he loses. And he's like a child in the movie up where he's, <laughs> he loses it. And he kind of does this pathetic jump up to try and catch it. it. Yeah. It's very sweet, but he, he's very upset uh, because he sees that Monique is like, got total eyes for Lane. And, sh- and he's like, no, we got to go. Mother's waiting for us. And, um, and so it's, it's, it, it creates this really strange uh, kind of love triangle because it's obvious that she's, she's not into him, but she's definitely into Lane. And um, yeah. So then Ricky ends up taking Monique away. Uh, Ricky's mom is also oblivious to the fact that maybe Monique doesn't like Ricky. And she's like, where, you know, was that boy bothering you? And she's like, she's like the quintessential, like, uh, I would have thought she was more Midwest than Northern Californian because she smokes yeah. like everything. She's got a hair bouffant that's the size of Texas. Right. Um, and this great accent, like it's total like New York, New Jersey-ish. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's wonderful. So then of course, you know, Lane says goodbye. He says goodbye to Charles, who's still laughing. And mm-hmm. uh, and then he gets, you know, of course he starts to get to his car. He tries to get to his car and he's being run down by the gang of uh, paper boys that are all screaming about their $2. It's so crazy. Yeah. They want their $2. Right. So like he tries to get into the car, but like, I don't know if he dropped his keys or he couldn't get the car unlocked or whatever. So he just takes off one foot and there's, you know, all these paper boys chasing him as he, as he gets home and, you know, no big deal. He like gets into the front door. His mom's there. Like, like what's happening. So uh, 
<laughs> what's going on at the house, right? So some more craziness. Uh, his mom has in the like on the stove like this big like stock pot, and there's like weird like tentacles coming out of it, and like a weird like little like beak of some like weird like sea beast that you'd see like in like twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Uh, so don't want that. Don't eat that for dinner for sure. She's like putting like tentacles onto like the dad's plate. Uh, but his brother's upstairs uh, having a little New Year's Eve party. There's some music coming in. Lane opens the door, uh, and his brother is in there, you know, with a bunch of uh, ladies of the night. A- they're definitely yeah, ladies of the evening. Yeah, uh, you. I guess you could probably say that they are uh, would be considered maybe uh, trashy women because that was the uh, the cat or the, I guess the instruction manual that he had gotten earlier from like the uh, weird mail delivery guy who was like flipping through it as he's walking through, dropping mail, going through. But yeah, he's having the part having this New Year's Eve party with with all of these ladies. So uh, nothing at Lane's house seems to be going any more normal, but I guess there is some light maybe at the end of the tunnel because uh, Monique is in the picture now. So that's nice, but yeah, but not going to be a lot of time to pursue this love interest because dad says time to get a job, got your job, go to work. Yeah. And poor guy, he's working at this place called Pig Burgers, which looks as amazing as it sounds. Let me tell you, Um, Mm -hmm. this guy, I'm surprised it doesn't recognize him. So every time Lane gets in a car, he ends up meeting those those two individuals who sound like uh, the sports the wild yeah, world Bob of sports Costas, guy, yeah, Bob yeah. Costas, right? And so he, every time or he no, Howard tries, Cosell, not sorry, Bob Costas, How, Howard Cosell, Howard Cosell. So this, they, they're, you know, always uh, kind of in a duel um, all over town. And every time he ends up hitting this guy who owns this pig burgers place. Right. And so he's real mad mm-hmm. and he's like, I'm going to real range you, but apparently he doesn't recognize him. And so he has the worst job ever. So he's, Telling so the, the Mr. Pitburger's man is trying to explain to Lane what he's supposed to do. He's not washing his hands. He's like smoking in the back of this kitchen. He like takes out his teeth and like dips it in the coffee cup. It's so gross. And uh, you know, uh Lane it starts to, you know, do his job. Um, but then he decides, uh, well, I don't know if he decides, but he adds a kind of another daydreaming moment, right? Because he's a big daydreamer. And in this daydream moment, we end up hearing everybody wants some from Van Halen. And it becomes this like reimagined Frankenstein where he uh, reanimates a burger and the burger's girlfriend and a bunch of French fries. And they're all singing and dancing and, and, you know, they've got a little baby guitar that the burger is playing and it's real cool and apparently this tested really well in audiences it's very out of place now when you watch it but apparently it did real great in 1984 um yeah it's so, kind, of kind of that same thing right you had like the seven up spot and you had like the noid like domino's pizza guy like that weird like fake yeah. claymation looking stuff i guess so that was just a very much a product of its of its time but yeah his boss is super gross right he puts like his dentures like in the yeah the coffee or like the coca-cola or whatever it is i um, mean he tells like he's telling lane to make these burger patties and lane's like well i gotta wash my hands first and he's like you can wash your hands on your own time now get to get to making okay. these things so so probably not a good health uh health department score there for the pig burgers and i'm always a fan of having some van halen in my movies so bring that on with the animated burgers i say right for sure but you know of course it doesn't go well the the manager comes in right as he's like you know in his 
moment of glory singing this song to the top of his lungs he's not wearing the pig hat that he was supposed to be wearing and and he's so mad you know he gets like thrown out of the kitchen and of course he lands right in front of his girl or his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend and you know you can see in this scene that um Stalin is is once again just really mean and Beth seems kind of embarrassed by it um she's like I I don't you know why what she kind of sinks away and She's not, she, she's not standing up for her, for her bully of a boyfriend for the first time. So that's kind of interesting, but, uh, you know, it's been a really rough day, another really rough day for poor Lane. So he yeah. goes home, he he's inspired by this really awful story about someone who sets himself on fire in New York city. Um, and so he, he basically takes his sheets, wraps them around himself and like takes a tie, wraps his head around it. I guess he's, he thinks he's going to go and, and do the same thing. And, um, he goes into the, the garage and he can't find any kerosene. He can't find any gasoline to douse himself with, but he did find a small jar labeled primer, which I guess is paint primer. Mm -hmm. I'm not even really sure what it is, but he smells it and he's like, yeah, this will do. And so then he's like trying to find matches in the house and he's stopped in the hallway by his mom, who's conveniently forgot to tell him that there's a dinner party going on. And so even though he looks really odd, he just sits down to the weirdest dinner that we've ever seen in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got this uh, he's got this jar of stuff sitting in front of him. He's there. Uh, dinner party with his uh, parents and brother um, and also the uh, neighbors from across the street. So Ricky and his mom and Monique are there. Um, and it's, it's pretty funny. He just, there's like a paintbrush in this, uh, this jar of primer. So he's just like, like dipping it in and like painting it on his shirt. Uh, but then unfortunately, uh, you know, Ricky's mom sees it and she thinks it's probably something good to drink. So she takes a big swig of this stuff. Um, and she says to you know, to his uh, mother, Jenny, she's like, Jenny, this is fabulous liquor. And, uh, you know, what do you do after you have some fabulous liquor is you light a cigarette. But unfortunately, that liquor was uh, was primer, a uh, little bit flammable. Uh, it doesn't go good. Um, and then it just it, the scene kind of ends. And then the next day uh, you get Monique and uh, Ricky and Lane are kind of walking, walking through, like, I don't know, they're walking somewhere. Um, and he's just like, sorry, your mom blew up, Ricky, you know, like, does it so, so like very nonchalant about right. what had just happened at the house? Yeah, no, apparently she didn't actually blow up. She'll be okay. She just can't have a lot of spicy foods or something. And so we see her later, mm-hmm. but her face is all bandaged. It's kind of weird. Um, yeah. So she ends up, uh, uh, he, so they're in the car, actually, because I think Lane is taking them to school. And so mm-hmm. there's another scene with the with the two guys who sound like Howard Cosell. And he's like, let's go, you know. And um, But of course, he gets toasted, right? Because he's in this wagon. He's in this old station wagon. His, his Camaro is not in commission, right? And so he's talking to Monique, who, who he still thinks is... Um, can't speak English. Right. He's like, oh man, you know, if, if I was driving my Camaro, my Camaro would have kicked the, you know, we would have won, we would have won that race. It's so fast. And it's so great if I could just get it to work. And, um, uh, yeah. And so they're, they're at lunch, uh, talking. And of course, Ricky's not liking this. He's sitting next to he's, you know, Monique's kind of sitting in between them and she's not giving Ricky any time of day. Um, but you know, of course we're, we're interrupted while, Lane and 
Monique are having a conversation by Roy Stalin, who just can't leave good enough alone. And so, of course, he's making fun of him for getting in trouble with the pit burger, pig burger place. And, mm-hmm. you know, Monique, she doesn't speak any English, but she understands how physics works. So she shakes up a bottle of Coke and like opens it right in his face. And is like, oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry. And yeah. uh, and then he starts to, in a, you know, uh, insult Monique and her intelligence. So that really fires up Lane. And he finally says, you know what? I, you know, I challenge you, let's do the K-12, you know, I'm, I'm anytime I can take you any day. And of course, Roy Stalin's like, you're digging your own grave, man. That's a bad idea, but they end up doing it. They're like, okay, next Sunday at noon. And then of course it goes as it does with most movies around high school, right? Everybody immediately knows it because it comes on the PA system that they're going to fight yeah. or they're going to, they're going to race. And so, um, <laughs> Yeah, everyone's excited except for lane he's like well that's great i'm gonna die defending this french chick's honor <laughs> and she doesn't even speak english right yeah um, so he he finally stood up to roy right but it's probably going to be the end of him he can't ski down the the k-12 that's bad news um and you see why because he's got like a broken ski he's taking it into like the ski shop and he asked the guy for it and uh, he asked the guy something about the K-12 or says that he's going to do the K-12 or he heard that Lane was going to do the K-12, right? Because right. everyone knows. Um, and the guy's just like, you have to be a real idiot to try that run. Um, but yeah, so setting up kind of this big final confrontation. But we find out some more. So Lane has the Camaro. The Camaro is busted. Um, but Monique, uh, she knows how to fix the Camaro of course. Right. Um, and something else about Monique, she also speaks English. Uh, she was just pretending not to speak English because she didn't want to talk to Ricky and his mom, which is absolutely valid. Uh, if you're ever in that situation, pretend you don't pretend whatever you need to pretend to get yourself out of that situation for sure. But yeah, she speaks English and she's going to help kind of fix the Camaro. So you get like a little montage of them, you know, kind of together, kind of being flirty, kind of fixing this Camaro. Uh, the Camaro is pretty amazing. And once they get it running, they're going to go have a very fancy dinner at Pig Burgers, uh, which is the place that you just got fired from. I don't know if that's where I would take my new potential love interest to a a candlelight dinner and play her some sweet tunes on the saxophone, uh, right? Because his friend, Charles, earlier was like, here's how you get, you know, here's how you get girls again, right? You know, some guys play the guitar, uh, you know, Stalin, he plays a guitar. All the girls like it. They show him like playing the guitar in the lunchroom. Like at one point in the movie, he's like, you play the saxophone. You should play the saxophone for girls. Girls love that. Um, and I have to say that's probably true because I played the saxophone in high school, Michaela, and uh, chicks dig the saxophone. <laughs> you played the saxophone in high school? I had no yeah. idea. Oh, yeah, wow. Ab- absolutely. I did. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, it is it is really awesome. So they have a really good time at this date. And I don't know. I think you're right. I don't know. There's, there's like no one there too. So I don't know if this was after hours because he kept his job. He just got in trouble. Well, there are, just there, are fired. Two, there are two people there uh, enjoying the saxophone medley that Lane is playing and it's the uh, animated little burgers. They're, they're having That's their own right. little, their own little love, love time, I guess. Of, yeah. You know, of, you know, being, t- being together, listening to this, this tunes and this romantic pig burger uh, dining scene, I guess. It's a great establishment, pig burger. Um, so yeah, so the next day, uh, he, he's talking to her about, you know, they're, they're finishing up everything and he's like, you know, yeah, I, they're finishing up the car stuff. And he says, you know, I, I, I really, uh, thanks for, thanks for doing this with me. And he kind of opens up cause she says, why, why, why did you, why did you want to die 
And he says, well, I was dating this girl and she dumped me for this really awful guy. And oh my gosh, I just remembered now I have to, I have to go and, and uh, race him today or tomorrow. I, I need to go into a cave and hide. And, and she's like, whatever, you just need some confidence. Like, you know, you, you just need some confidence. So of course the next day she goes with him to practice skiing, which is amazing. Um, it's what good friends mm-hmm. do for each other. Right. And he had been going and trying to do the K-12 with Charles Dumar for, you know, this whole movie. And Charles would stand up at the, you know, after snorting the snow, he would stand up and he would be like, look, it's real simple, dude, go that way really fast. And if something gets in your way, turn, which is great advice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, but he would do it and he would just fail miserably and it looks real dangerous. I mean, this looks like the pit of, I mean, it looks like a straight drop. It does not look like it's an easy um, ski, ski mountain ride. Anyway, so, so Lane goes to pick up his ski because he had broken it. And uh, that's a great scene. He goes to pick it up and there's this guy giving it to him and he's all in a wheelchair and both of his arms look like they've been broken. His neck is in a brace. And he's like, what, what happened to you, man? And he's like, well, I thought I tried, I thought I would try the K-12, you know, after winning at the Olympics, everything just looks so easy, but uh, you'd have to be some kind of idiot to, to, to go down the K-12. Right. And so mm-hmm. of course, Lane is like, thanks for the ski, uh, charge it, charge it to my account. And uh, cause he thinks he's probably going to die on this, but it's really cool. Like he and uh, Lane and Monique end up, she's, amazing like they both kind of do this tag team skiing and it's a really cool um montage right they were fixing the car mm-hmm. and now they're skiing together and it's so great and lane meyer comes uh not lane meyer um charles demar comes to congratulate him and says all right guys everybody's waiting everybody's waiting for you to to get on to the top of the hill but then poor charles man he drives he doesn't mean to but he skis over one of the skis and so it breaks mm-hmm. and uh so Lane is looking at this and he's like, well, I can't ride now. I don't have a ski, you know? And uh, I guess the way that works, if you don't know skis is that you actually have to clip your feet into them. That's why it's one of the reasons why it's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not going to, he's not going to do the race at all. But then of course the uh, from the back, you know, this kid is like, I want my $2. Where are my $2? The paper boy, <laughs> Uh, starts to 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 chase him and he's in a he, he's in a he's on like skis ski and bike. on his bicycle on a, yeah <laughs> yeah it's, and so he, lane just takes off right um and he's on one ski and so of course they're you know the whole team uh the the ski team and all the kids there monique's there beth is there charles dumar's there and they're like looking up at the top of this mountain and watching with binoculars and of course charles dumar is like He's skiing on one ski. Yeah, it's amazing. he does. He does ski on one ski. And it is amazing because I don't think it's John Cusack, but someone really was skiing on one ski all the way down this mountain. Uh, and it looks pretty awesome. And kudos to them because it looks really hard. So uh, that's pretty great. But Lane on one ski gets down and wins the race against Roy. So, you know, all is right in the world. He finally got to throw it back into Roy's face, uh, you know, uh, his, you know, his girl, uh, Beth is, you know, she's, she's back on, back on team lane lane. Yeah. She's, you know, she's all, all in on lane again. Now that he's back on, on, uh, on top here in this, uh, the ski town high school thing, I guess. Um, but you know, 
you know, she she had her chance. Beth did. He was totally in love with Beth, but now he's seen seen the light, and that light is Monique. That's right. And so, um, of course, even even the guy, even um, the the two gentlemen from the racing right in the cars where they mm-hmm. sound like Howard Cosell, they start to interview him, and they're like, "What does the you know what is your goal? Why did you do this?" And he kind of looks at him and he says, "Language lessons," because there was this whole thing about how you know Monique and and Ricky spoke the international language, and so he realizes that you know Monique is kind of where it's at. Um, of course, you know Ricky can't be without his girl or who he perceives to be his girl for half a minute. And so he and his mom, who's all bandaged up, they've driven to wherever this is and Mm -hmm. they're taking her away. And so Lane kind of stops and breaks that up. And he says, Oh no, she's coming with me. She, you know, and, and of course, uh, then we get a beautiful fight for the girl, uh, Mm, with mm -hmm. ski sticks, um, yeah, ski, pole, sure ski a, poles. Those poles. are those are called ski poles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lane, Lane, and Ricky each take a, a ski pole, and they have this uh, this uh, like sword duel, uh, a lot like we're seeing in the Olympics this week with the uh, with the fencing. But they have this little duel, and uh, you know, Lane ends up victorious. Ricky ends up like falling on top of his mom, like squishing her down into the snow. But all is okay for Ricky because uh, some uh, other girl that's there just kind of comes up. And she's wearing glasses and she just says hello or something. And they walk off hand in hand, you know, no harm, no foul. He gets, he gets his own girl in the end, I guess. So that's good. Yeah. And poor Ricky's mom is just left alone. She's like, Ricky, 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 where are you going? Um, Yeah. But yeah. uh, So then you see that Lane and Monique end up together and uh, the, the movie kind of ends. We start hearing some more eighties music and uh, mm-hmm. it shows them driving uh, that beautiful 1967 Camaro. And I guess they drive it across the country because they go to Dodger Stadium, which is one of her favorite things. She loves baseball. And uh, so there's a, a shot of them with the Camaro in the baseball diamond kissing. And of mm-hmm. course, as it's panning out, you uh, you see the paper boy because he still hasn't gotten paid and he is not giving that up. So apparently he has followed them across the country on his bike. Yeah. He still wants his $2 and that's, it kind of pans out from the uh, Dodger stadium showing them, you know, kind of leaning up against the car on home plate. You see the paper boy coming in uh, and then it goes back to the house and you'll see his dad. He's out, he's looking at the garage windows and you hear this kind of rumbling and you see this bright light going off in the garage um, and earlier we'd seen, uh, you know, Lane's brother getting a manual for how to build your own space rocket. Uh, so that's what it is. So the movie ends with his, uh, you know, homemade space rocket just blasting off out of this house, <laughs> yeah. punch, punching a very, very good 80s effect, you know, hole in the roof and it flies off. And that's how the movie ends. It is a zany ride. Uh, it's a lot of fun and that's that's where it ends so Michaela better off dead 1985 tell tell me about your experience in this so you'd, <laughs> you'd said that uh you got like how you learned about what you thought like high school like math class was going to be like so I assume that you must have watched this uh, maybe not in 1985 but some sometime you know kind of you know around then or shortly after that or something Yeah, I think I saw this first when I was seven or eight. I think I was, it's probably when I newly moved to Texas. Um, 
you know, we watched a lot of, I, I was able to watch a lot of different types of movies as a kid, which I think mm-hmm. is great. Um, so I definitely grew up with this film. So, you know, uh, we never really talk about it, but this month, the month of August is back to school month for so many people. So all the movies that we're picking uh, for this month have a, a very big high school or school component to it. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I thought we would pick this movie. It, you, If you noticed in the intro, we did not talk about any Oscars that it won or awards that it won because it didn't win any. Um, it, 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 it did not, no. It did not. Um, it didn't make a ton of money. It ended up being a, kind of a commercial failure, actually, is what I think they, they believed uh, it to be at the time. But it has a huge cult following. In fact, Angela Harris, if you're listening, um, I remember this is your favorite movie of all time. Uh, it's a lot of people's favorite movie of all time, which is weird in some ways because, uh, you know, it's just a boy meets girl, boy fights for one girl and gets another girl kind of story. It's not, um, it's not very uh, cerebral or esoteric, but there's so many things about it that just make it a fun ride, very zany. Um, and you can watch it over and over again and pick up something else. Like, you know, the brother is just, there's so many pieces that we haven't even mentioned um, that are little details that are left out that are worth your time. So mm-hmm. I, I watch it. I, it's, it, it, it's preserved pretty well. There's only one or two off color jokes in it now that you'd probably uh, find problematic, um, which is saying a lot for stuff that's in the eighties, I think. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of my thoughts around it. Had you ever seen this before? So no, I had never seen this. So if you, if you remember way back to our spoiler warning, Michaela told you that uh, if you wanted to watch this, you were going to have to just, you know, throw $10 towards Amazon and just hope that it was, that it was worth your time. So that is exactly what I did. I got a very nice Blu-ray copy of it. It has the theatrical trailer on it, which I watched, which was amazing. Um, But yeah, I didn't know a lot of what to expect about this. The kind of description of the film doesn't really do it any favors, I don't think. Uh, maybe that was part of the reason why it didn't do quite as well, you know, commercially at the time that it came out. But I had never watched it until uh, just a couple of days ago. And I have to say that I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I don't really like a lot of like slapstick type of comedies, uh, but this is just so like esoteric and weird. Um, it, it's, it's very odd. And I just, there was something about it. The acting was also like good and believable like the dad and the mom were spectacular they were so like deadpan serious about what they were doing like it was totally believable that they were just like oblivious to this you know kind of weird life that they were living uh and i thought it was great now i have seen there's an episode of south park called aspen um and that draws heavily on this movie a lot it's about kind of this ski resort and ski bully and he's very much modeled after uh roy uh in this film Uh, So like it reminded me of that a lot. Um, And it also reminds me a lot of like, um, if you look at like a kind of a modern thing, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia, I think probably draws a lot on this where it's just a lot of like super like random situations that they put themselves in. um, And Charlie's character in particular, um, I, I got a lot of those same kind of vibes. So if you are into um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, I think that you would probably uh, like this film as well so uh but yeah it was it was really good um now the movie does deal with the very sad subject of suicide it's kind of a running theme through this movie so you know it takes it pretty lightly um but you know and we talked about it pretty lightly here in this uh if you 
are struggling or need any help or anything like that, please reach out to someone because it's, you know, not a laughing matter. And this, this movie, you know, plays it pretty lightly. So we just wanted to, you know, kind of put that out there for everyone, you know, to, to reach out to someone if you ever feel like you need any uh, help there in your own life. But yeah, as far as this movie goes, it was, it was really good. I'm glad to own it, I guess. I don't know when I will be inspired to put it in and watch again, but I liked it a lot, Michaela. Maybe next August when it's time to go back to school. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe when you see a K-12 sign. I don't know. Uh, no, absolutely. This, I, I think it's worth, if anybody has not seen this, uh, you know, send us an email. If, if it's your first time uh, seeing this and you, you, you let us know what you think about it, because uh, it is hard to find it. You know, you, you would have to buy it on Amazon at this point. Um, but maybe, uh, maybe someone has a copy of it. I have a copy of it and I didn't realize that I did. So I was a little concerned that I was also going to have to buy the bullet and buy it. But, mm, um, mm-hmm. but I thought it was worth $10 at one point because <laughs> I bought it. So, um, yeah, let us know what you think about that. What, what do you think about the cocktail? Um, the better off dead, uh, cocktail and, uh, you know, Hey, the better off dead soundtracks too you know it, it's a trifecta we got the song we got a cocktail we got the movie itself we're all over it yeah we're uh, we're three for three uh for sure on this one so yeah if you try the cocktail let us know um and let us know if you like the movie you can do that on our instagram and twitter tag us there it's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies uh you can see pictures of our uh, better off dead cocktail the you know ingredient list recipe uh, episode recaps all that fun stuff on our website which is www.drinkthemovies.com and after you've mixed one of those up and watched this movie and listened to this episode uh, if you liked what you heard you should go leave us a review and you know get subscribed to us Michaela where should they do that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. If you like what you're hearing, please uh, subscribe to us because we have a lot of cool stuff coming out. And uh, leave us a five-star review because that helps us get the Drink the Movies out there. Uh, we thank everybody who has uh, taken, uh, taken the time to listen to us and give us some feedback on the movies that they saw, the drinks that they've drank. We love it all. So uh, mm-hmm. please check it out. Yeah, for sure. But for right now, Michaela, I am out of my absinthe, my my French cocktail. Your yeah, I have, I have my French, I have my French fries and my French bread. Uh, but I am out of my French cocktail, so right. I'm going to have to go whip another one up. Do you want another one, Michaela? I yes, yes, but only one more. <laughs> just, <laughs> only one just, more. Just one more. We might have to split it. All right. We're going to uh, go mix that up and find another movie to talk about. And we will catch everyone next time on Drink Drink the the Movies.